Uh, so how we doing? You okay? At both of our campuses, we want to welcome you. I want to thank you for being here. I think you are in the right spot. My hope is, is that you will have an open heart to hear from God today. Anybody in the house have an open heart to hear from God today? Come on, anybody? I am so excited that you're here. Uh, and does anybody remember the movie Back to the Future? Anybody? I'm totally dating myself here, but that was the movie in high school. That was like the big deal. Michael J. Fox played uh, Marty McFly. Remember that? And uh, it, he was this like Californian, you know, suburban kid who gets swept up into this crazy experiment, goes back in time uh, when his uh, friend, it was, what was his name? Dr. Brown, crazy Doc Brown, remember that? He does, uh, I think it was that Christopher Lloyd's character, and uh, he does this crazy experiment, and it ushers them back into time, and they traveled through this uh, DeLorean car. Does anybody remember that thing? The old DeLorean, remember that? They go back in time, and uh, Marty encounters young versions of his parents, and he must make sure that they fall in love, because if they don't fall in love, uh, he will cease to exist. And, and then, of course, the real trick is that he's got to go back into the future to get back home, uh, not only to save his own life, but to save the life of his friend, Crazy Doc Brown. Now, Back to the Future was a fun movie, and it was a huge success. And, and, and I think one of the reasons it was such a big success uh, is because I think this idea of time travel has all, always been fascinating to, to humanity, right? I mean, if you, if you doubt this, just go ahead and just bring up this subject when you're with a bunch of friends and say, if you could go back in time, what would you do? Where would you go? I think almost everybody would have something on their mind. What would you do? Where would you go? And I think it's funny because I think most people uh, would think that everybody would go back to some major event, to some world-changing situation, and you can be in the middle of all that. Uh, but actually, that's not always the case. True, true story. Listen to this. A while back, uh, there was a small magazine, and they found themselves in a little bit of a bind. Uh, they, they were about to go to press with their latest edition uh, to the publisher, but they realized that they still had some unsold advertising space. And so uh, the editor kind of put out the word to some of the people he knew, and one of the editor's personal friend decides to take out some ad space. True story. And uh, he put out a couple ads, and this is what one of the ads said. This is, I'm just going to read it to you. This is true. Uh, he, he said this, quote, wanted somebody to go back in time with me. This is not a joke. P.O. Box 322, Oakview, Oak California, 93022. You will get paid after we get back. Must bring your own weapons. Safety is not guaranteed. I've only done this once before. Of course, it was a joke, right? Uh, but he ended up getting a ton of mail uh, about this fake ad. Uh, some people who replied obviously got that it was a joke, and they replied accordingly uh, with humorous things. But he was so shocked because the majority of his replies were people who thought he was serious, that they could somehow take them back in time, right? And the amazing thing is that the majority that took him serious, they wanted to go back and undo a situation that went wrong many years earlier. They wanted to go back, not into some great moment of history, some great movement of history. They wanted to go back and fix something, to undo something that they wish they could have redone. Now, isn't that interesting? Um, the opportunity to undo something that was done way back there. Now, we're entering a 
brand new series called the Un-Series because sometimes you got to un-things. Yeah, don't be so excited. Sometimes you got to be like, you got to un-things. You know what I mean, right? Like, for example, next week, you, you, we're going to talk about the unknown. So sometimes you got to go into the unknown. As a matter of fact, let me just kind of give you the lowdown of where we're heading on this and it might cue you in about what we're thinking here. So next week, we're going to talk about the unknown. And the week after that, we're going to talk about uh, getting unstuck because sometimes in life, you find yourself stuck and you don't want to be stuck. You want to be unstuck, right? Amen. Anybody in the room following me so far? And the week after that, our fourth week in this series, we're, we're going to try to talk about this idea that sometimes faith your faith has to rise to the surface of your life and you have to learn to live unashamed about what you believe, unashamed. And then the final week, the fifth week of this series, we're gonna talk about unleashing the power of God in your life and into the world around us because sometimes, listen to me friends, sometimes you have to be unleashed. So anybody excited about any of this? Anybody in the house? Anybody on our video campus? Uh, I'm, I'm stoked about this because listen, we wanna do 2019 big, we want to do it big. And today, as we begin this un-series, we're going to talk about undoing some things in your own life. Undoing some things that if we could go back, we wish we would be able to fix it. We're going to talk about this idea of undoing some things. And just like those nuts who thought they could go back in time, uh, there is some stuff in our life that we wish we could go back in time and redo, undo change. Am I right? Uh, for, for, for example, what would you do if you were to go back in time? What would you do? What would you change? Because there's something. I mean, would you, for those who smoke cigarettes, right, would you maybe never start smoking? I mean, think about the average 40 or 50 year old who smokes. I bet you they wish they could go back and never start, right? And it's not just smoking, it's, it's all kinds of things like drugs or alcohol or pornography addictions. I'm thinking a whole bunch of people would refuse to take that first drink or that first hit or take that first look. Or, or maybe there are some in this room, if you could undo some things, uh, maybe you would do some things different. Like maybe you would not make babies with somebody that you did not really love and, and marry in life. Right? Let's just be honest. There are some things that you, serious stuff that we wish we could unpack and undo in our, in our life. Maybe others would, uh, would maybe do married life a little bit different. You could look back and you'd go, man, if I would have thought about this 15 years ago, my whole life would be different today. Or, or, maybe, you would, uh, or maybe you would parent your, your child a little bit uh, different. But, but the idea is, is that there are things in our life that we would want to do different. Matter of fact, in this little article about that fake news going back in time little advertisement piece, uh, one of the respondents says they wish they could go back in time and stop the hitman that she hired to kill her husband. What? Crazy, right? Crazy. Um, but the reality is, is that we all have mistakes. We all have stuff somewhere back there that we don't have the power to undo now. Uh, you know, like in that movie, um, uh, Back to the Future, he'd always say, McFly, is anybody home? Remember that? McFly, there is no time machine. We cannot go back and undo what we have done, but we can most certainly have a different future. Anybody? We most certainly can have a different tomorrow than we did yesterday. 
Y'all with me on this so far? Uh, and so, friends, listen to me. Everybody, every single one of us has regrets. Every single one of us has things that we wish we could do over. And, and one of the great moves forward in our life is to admit this. One of the great moves forward into our, in, in our life is when we can look backwards and go, doggone it, I really screwed that one up. You, you know what's crazy sometimes is you hear those people um, that say, I wouldn't change anything about my life because all the decisions I've made have led me to where I am today and I like who I am today. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. I mean, who among us would not change something? I would most certainly change a whole bunch in my life. A whole bunch of things I look back and I go, what was I thinking? Why did I do that? I would never do that again. Right? This is really one of the first acts of maturing in our life. This is one of the first acts of growing up and becoming all that God wants us to really become is when we look back over our shoulder and realize there is a whole bunch back there that we regret and that we wish we could do different. Every single one of us has moments that we wish we could re really redo, um, that we could undo. As a matter of fact, the, the great prophet Isaiah, he says it like this. He says, all of us, he says, all of us like sheep have, have gone astray and, and, and we've left God's path to follow our own. In other words, everybody here has things that we look back over our shoulder and we go, yeah, that's, there's a lot of junk there. A lot of stupid decisions. Uh, the, the, in the New Testament part of the Bible, Paul, the, this writer, he picks up the same idea and he says it, he says it this way. He says, for everyone has sinned. For everyone, that would be pretty much everybody in the room. For everyone has sinned and we fall short of God's glorious standards. All of us, friends, have this thing in our past or a whole bunch of things in our past. If we could, we would undo them. So let me just ask, uh, maybe just by a show of hands and a show of honesty in the room, how many would say you've at least matured to the point of realizing that, yep, I'll admit it, there is stuff back there that I wish I could undo? Anybody in the room? Yeah. I think that is the first major step forward. Uh, I want to show you something out of the Bible, and, and this is really an amazing thing to me. This is just incredible. Uh, as a matter of fact, one of the most ironic remarks about the Bible that I hear from time to time is when somebody says something like this, they'll say, oh, that Bible, it's just a book of goody two-shoes, holier-than-thou, overly religious, perfect characters who don't reflect the real world. Now, when I hear people talk like that or anything like that, I know that they have never read the Bible. Never, not once, because not even close to that. Have you, anybody in the room ever noticed just how screwed up some of the characters in the Bible are? Anybody in the room? Is it just me? I mean, you know, this is amazing. I'm going to just take you on a little tour just over the first book of the Bible. Just over the first book of the Bible. Just tell me if this isn't a little bit screwed up. Uh, matter of fact, if you go to just to the first couple pages of the Bible, you'll discover that there was this couple named Adam and Eve, and they had two sons. Anybody remember this? Cain and Abel. But right away, just the first couple Bible, uh, uh, pages of the Bible, you'll see that Cain is jealous of his brother Abel, and Cain kills Abel. How crazy is that? That's a great start. Two pages into the book and you're already there. I mean, it's ridiculous, right? Uh, then you flip a couple pages and you're introduced to this guy named Lamech. And Lamech introduces the world to polygamy. And if you go back and read that story, it was an absolute disaster. A little side note, don't try that at home. Don't try it at home. Bad idea. Uh, Noah, a couple pages later, we're, we're introduced to a guy named Noah. And Noah, listen, Noah was called by God himself the most righteous man 
of his generation. But you flip a couple pages and you'll see that Noah's, Noah became, uh, had a problem with alcohol and he became drunk often and he cursed his own grandson while he was drunk. Way to go, Noah, right? And then if you flip even a couple more pages, you'll be introduced to a guy named Lot. And Lot was in his home one day and he is surrounded by a bunch of the men of his city, the city of Sodom. And they want to violate, if you know what I mean, uh, Lot's guests. Lot had some strangers, some guests that came into his home. And uh, Lot had the crazy good idea that instead of offering up the strangers, he would offer up his daughter so that the men of the city could have sex with his daughters. Way to go, Lot. Yes. And, and listen to this. His daughters later get Lot drunk and get, him impreg- uh, and, and get impregnated by him. And Lot was called the most righteous man of the city of Sodom. Something's wrong with these people, right? Uh, Just turn a few more pages and and you'll see that uh, Abraham, a guy named Abraham, he plays favorites between his two sons, Isaac and Ishmael, and they both end up hating each other forever. Uh, Isaac then plays favorites with his sons, Jacob and Esau, and they become bitter enemies. Jacob later plays favorites between his son, Joseph, and the other 11 sons. And the brothers, the 11 brothers, end up wanting to kill uh, 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 Joseph, but instead of killing him, they throw him in a pit and then eventually they sell him into slavery. This is not good, right? I mean, how's your family life compared to this? I mean, this is not good. And you're thinking you had a tough go in your marriage. Listen to what goes on in some of their marriages. Uh, Abraham, who's considered the father of faith, Abraham, he has sex with his wife's servant and sends her and the son that is conceived through that uh, sexual relationship into the wilderness to die at his wife's request. Does this sound like Jerry Springer? Or something like that. I mean, this is crazy. Isaac and Rebecca, they have this huge blow-up fight over which boy would get the blessing of the great inheritance. Uh, Jacob ends up marrying two wives. They try this again. It does not go well at all. Uh, Jacob ends up not only marrying two wives, but he takes both of his wives' maidservants and brings them in for his concubines. And the whole thing is just a crazy mess, if you read the story. Uh, Jacob has a firstborn son. His name is Reuben, uh, who sleeps with his father's concubine. This is not good. Uh, Another son named Judah sleeps with his daughter-in-law when she disguises herself as a prostitute. Uh, And she does this because she's childless because her first two husbands who were Judah's sons, listen, who were Judah's sons, they were both so wicked that God kills both of them. Now pause for a second. You know how wicked you have been in life and God spared you. So what must these guys have done and what must they have been like that God literally took both of them How crazy is this? Am I right? Um, And then you just kind of go down through the list and their marriages were a disaster. Their families redefined dysfunctional, right? Uh, These people need a therapist. They were not the Waltons. They were not leave it to beaver. Uh, they, they, They need Dr. Phil or Dr. Laura or Dr. Ruth or Dr. Dobson or Dr. Seuss or somebody, right? They, They were messed up. Anybody feeling better about your family, by the way? Anybody? Yeah. Um, by the way, a little side note, a little side note real quick. Um, when I read stuff like this out of the scripture, this is one of the reasons I believe it is true. This is one of the reasons I believe it's God's word, that it's true. And, and it's because of this, if I was to be a writer and I was to try to write something to convince the world to believe in a perfect God, uh, and if you believe in that perfect God, that you'll have this perfect life, and all you got to do is give him your heart, right? And obey us and all that kind of stuff. If I was writing a book like that, I would have left all of these sordid details out about the heroes of the book. 
I would have taken a whole different approach to it. Y'all hear me on this? So this is one of the side reasons that I personally find the Bible so compelling. But, but friends, let me ask this question. Why did the writer of Genesis include all of this stuff? Why am I reading this to you? Why am I sharing with this, uh, this stuff with you now? Friends, it is because the writer of Scripture is trying to establish a deep theological truth that we must come to understand. And here it is, that everyone is like a sheep that has gone astray. Everyone has sinned. Everyone is weird. Everyone has regrets. Everyone has something that they wish that they could undo. Every one of us has habits somewhere in the back of our life that if we were to control them way back then, they wouldn't be controlling us today. Every one of us has flaws somewhere way back there that if we would have worked on those flaws back then, we wouldn't be where we are today. It would be a different story. It would be a better story for us. The truth is, is that every single one of us has stuff in our life that we wish we could undo and we can try to hide it. Uh, We can make excuses. We can pretend that we're proud of it all. Uh, But the truth is, is that all of us have a series of regrets somewhere back there. And, And so the question becomes is how do we move forward in this world of regrets? How do we do something? How do we find peace with what's back there as we look toward the future? So we're coming to the end of 2018. Anybody in the house say yes? Glad 2018 is going. Any, anybody? 2019, around the corner. Anybody want a big year for 2019? Anybody want a big year? You know what I'm talking about at both of our campuses? We need a big year for 2019. Uh, friends, I can tell you this. There is no undo button for 2018. There is no time machine to go back and fix it. But, but I can tell you this. The message of Jesus is what deals with the stuff back there. This is the gospel. This is what we believe as as Christians, that God takes those regrets and he looks at our past and he does not look backwards, he looks forward. He doesn't concern himself so much with what's back there. He, He wants to give us a different kind of future, a different kind of direction, a different kind of hope. Is anybody in the room tonight? Anybody hearing me? Anybody at all? I'm telling you, this is big. Matter of fact, Paul is writing a bunch of Christians in this passage I want to read to you out of the book of Romans. And he's, he's writing this, these Christian people who uh, have some serious regrets in their life. Uh, they're, they're trying to figure out how to move forward because their past keeps creeping up on them. They were a, bent, a bunch of ex-Roman pagan worshipers who had become Christians. And now they're trying to figure out how to go forward, not backwards in their life. But everything in their back is trying to drag them backwards. Everything back there is trying to drag them down. And, and they're trying to, hard to figure out how to move forward. And these are the words that Paul writes to these kind of people. He writes this. In the book of Romans chapter 8, he says, therefore, since Christ has come into your life, therefore, there is now no, what is this word, anybody? Condemnation. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Listen, there is no time machine. There is no undo uh, button, but a current, thriving, growing relationship with Jesus is the power you need to move forward in your life. Come on. 
It is, it is the key to moving forward. It is letting God's spirit come alive in you. Because when you come into this relationship with Jesus, this is the gospel. This is what Christians believe. And I don't know that you're a Christian, but this is what the Bible teaches us. And this is what I know to be true in my life, is that, is that when, when you come into a right relationship with Jesus, you, you enter into this relationship with him that takes you to the Father and he gives you his spirit in his life and he begins to change stuff. He begins to forgive the stuff that's back there. He begins to deal with the stuff that's back there. And through his spirit, listen, through his power, he does a work in you to redeem what's back there. And redeeming means he doesn't just forget about it. Redeeming means he begins to use the stuff in our past to actually make a better future for us, to take us somewhere new, to grow us in our thinking. We learn from what's back there so that we can move where? Forward in our life. So friends, listen, if you have been around the church for any length of time, or if you stick around our church for any length of time, or if you read the Bible uh, for any length, you will eventually run into this guy's name. His name is Paul. We've already talked about one of the things that he wrote. But Paul was this amazing guy that God uh, got a hold of in in a big way and literally turned his life around. Listen to me, friends. Listen to me. Listen to me. Paul was the man God used to plant Christian churches all over the Roman world. And get this. We are sitting here today largely because of this man 2,000 years ago. You would not be in this place if it was not for this man named Paul. Your life is connected to Paul's life. Isn't that incredible? 2,000 years ago, God used this guy. And so Paul, let me tell you about Paul, the backstory of him. Paul was, uh, uh, he was not always a follower of Jesus. As a matter of fact, he had a very sordid past. He was a political and religious ruler among the people of Israel. He was a Jewish political and religious leader. He was called a Pharisee. A Pharisee is, you can think of it like Congress, and nobody likes Congress, right? And uh, <laughs> amen. And so, so Paul was this ruler, and, and he had a special passion. And you know what his passion was? His passion was to end this new upcoming movement called the Jesus movement. Matter of fact, Paul called it the way of Jesus, the way of Jesus. And he made it his life ambition to make sure that he found and exterminated all the Christians. Now, can you imagine this? He was a persecutor. He was a murderer. As a matter of fact, the, the, the scripture records one of his, his journeys. He, he went to this certain city and he sought out a Christian leader by the name of Stephen. And, and when he found Stephen, he gathered up all of the people of that town and they circled him and they eventually stoned him to death. And I don't mean this kind of stoning. They, they literally threw stones at him to kill him because that was Paul's ambition. That was Paul's mission. He was a murderer. He was a persecutor of, of Christians. And then something happens in his life. And eventually the one Jesus who he was persecuting He literally gives his heart to Jesus and he has a total transformation in his life. And now he becomes the great church planner. He becomes this great pastor. And and again, our faith is linked directly to him. And Paul records something that is so deeply personal about the transformation in his life. I just got to read this to you because this is the power of what we believe. This is, this is the truth of the gospel that is available for you no matter what is back there in your past. This is what God wants to do. Now look at what Paul says. He's writing to this, to this young preacher named Timothy. He's a pastor. And so Paul, the ex-killer of Christians, the ex-destroyer of the Christian church that was growing up, now is 
kind of leading these young pastors and trying to develop and mentor them. And so Paul writes this young pastor named Timothy this letter trying to encourage him. And this is what he says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. It says, this is a trustworthy saying. Pause. What does that mean? He says, you should believe this. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to bear my soul to you. I'm going to open up deep. And, and, and you've got to believe me, Timothy. You've got to understand this is coming from the deepest part of who I am. This is something that you can trust. So Timothy and Paul have this relationship going on. And he says, Timothy, I'm going to tell you something really, really important. And he goes, everyone should accept this. And here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Pause. Maybe you did not hear that. He says, you want to know what the whole man-God uh, relationship through Jesus is all about? I'll tell you what it's all about in one simple line. You want to know why Jesus came from heaven to earth? You want to know about this whole God story? Here it is. It's very simple. Jesus came for perfect people. Jesus came for those who get it right all the time. Jesus came for marriages that never fight, never argue, and kids who always obey, and everybody looks good and earns a lot of money. No. This is the gospel, that Christ came to save sinners. And, and I don't know if, this, rec if you, this rings a bell, but that's you. And that's me. And if you're like one of those perfect people who get it right, this is probably not the right church for you. I'm just sorry. Um, you're going to be different than all of us. But most of us in this room, we know full well that this applies to us. That Christ came to save sinners. Like me, I was once lost. I was once blind. But God did a work inside of me. And Paul says that this is the baseline for our faith. That God came for people who struggle to get it right. And then he says this. <laughs> this is amazing. He, he says, and I am the worst of them all. Think about the worst person that you can think of. Think about it. Like right now, just put the worst person in. Paul says, you think of that person and I'm worse than him. You, you think about your worst day and Paul says, I'm way worse than that. As a matter of fact, Paul says, I, I know who I was. I was a blasphemer. I was, I was somebody who, who uh, thought he knew God's will. I, I was somebody who persecuted Christians. I'm somebody who took innocent people and put them to death. That was me. And he says, Christ came for people like me. That's me. Then verse 16, listen to this. But God had mercy on me. Amen. Amen? Anybody but God? Come on, you know your story, but God. Anybody in the house hearing me? But God? But God does the work. God does something different. We have our past, but God says, I know your past, but I got a future for you. And it says, but God, but God, but God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst of sinners. In other words, I'm the example of what God can do in, in the human heart if the human heart connects to Jesus. I'm the example. And then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Friends, can't you just see Paul opening his heart? He's saying, you want somebody who needed a redo. If you want 
to look at somebody who needed a restart. That was me, friends. I needed a total repackaging of my life. I needed a total redo of my life. And, and friends, he says, and I only got that when I found a relationship with Jesus. I tried to be religious. I tried to be good. I tried to uh, meet all the standards of the world. I tried to be at the top of the political game. I tried to be at the top of the economic game. And all of it was empty until I found a relationship with God through, through Jesus. Absolutely. Do you think Paul regretted what he had done in the past? Absolutely, I think he did. But Paul was saying, you don't need to stay in your past. I don't need to stay in my past. Paul was saying, you can move forward because God is in the business of taking this junk that's behind us and doing something with it to, in order to move us where? Forward in our life. Amen, anybody? Amen? Listen, uh, you can't go back and undo, but you can travel forward. You, you can't go back and undo, but you can travel forward. Can, can we go deep for a moment? I mean, really deep. I want to show you uh, this merging of a tremendous theological truth and a tremendous prep, practical application of that, of that truth. So listen, uh, theology, theology, you hear that word in church life every once in a while, but theology literally means the study of God or the understanding of God. In other words, we, we ought to know theology. We ought to learn theology. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you need to understand the nature and person of who God is, right? It's called theology, the study of God. And, and practical means how do we apply it to our life? So how do we apply the theology, our understanding of God to our daily life? Isn't this important? Yes? Yes? And so I want us to go deep and I, and I need you to hang with me because this is really, really important. Paul, in, in this book of Romans, uh, he, he had become a Christian and now he's speaking to a bunch of ex-pagan Romans who are now Christians and they're trying to get it right. But they have all of these mix of ideas going on. They have all of these things in their past that want to keep pulling at them and pulling them down. And all of those terrible things of Rome are still creeping into their life. And then this is what he writes, and this is so compelling. It's Romans chapter 6. And this is, this is breathtaking. This is life-changing. This is incredible. He writes this. In Romans chapter 6, verse 17 and 18, he says, Thank God! Exclamation point. Woo! He starts off, Thank God! Because I knew and I know what I used to be. Thank God it's different now. Thank God that it's changing now. Anybody in the room, like, you come here and you go, I'm not quite who I want to be, but I'm not quite who I was either. Anybody in the room? Anybody or is it just me? Like, you're kind of going, I know exactly who I was, and I'm not that anymore. But I'm most certainly not who I want to be. And Paul says, thank God. God's doing a work in you. He says it like this. He says, once upon a time, once you were slaves to this thing called sin, but now you wholeheartedly, let me say this again, but now you wholeheartedly, that's a really big word. I'm going to say it a third time, but now you wholeheartedly obey the teachings that we have given to you. Now you are free from your slavery uh, to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. In other words, something is moving in you. Something is changing in you. Sin no longer has the power that it once had. The temptations in your life no longer quite have the same grip on you, the same power over you. It's like, you know, I, I used 
used to do this every day and I didn't even think twice about it. I used to kind of treat people this way, but now I don't even, uh, you know, I didn't even think twice about it, but now I kind of feel bad about this. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to move and become something different. Anybody? Anybody? He's saying that's you. That there used to be this grip on you, this power that held you, that was like a chain of sin. It was around your ankles. It was made you a slave. It was like you couldn't be who you really wanted to be. But because of God, thank God, it's different. And there's something in here that we got to get. This is a deep, deep theological truth. It says, you wholeheartedly decided to obey the teachings of Jesus. Not like I halfway kind of decided to come to church once in a while, and when I get around to it, I'm going to decide to obey Jesus, and then maybe my life will get better. No, he is like, you made a decision that changed your life. God did this work inside of you, but you met that, that work inside of you with the decision to follow that work, to follow that truth, to change because you want to become like him. You wholeheartedly decided to follow Jesus. Can I just tell you something? You will never become who you want to become. You will never become all that God wants you to become if you are like, hey, I kind of like some things from God, but some things really make me mad and I don't really want to change them. And it's, I like who I am. I don't want to change because I know who I am and I'm a good person really on the inside. But these things, I want to hold them to myself. I don't really care that God doesn't like this or wants this or wants me to move here or do this or say this or give this or to become this or to serve this way because I really kind of like who I am now. I'm not as bad as I used to be. No, he says you wholeheartedly need to decide to follow him. And that is when life changes. That, you, you people up front get it, but I don't, people in the back, y'all getting it? You getting this, what he's saying? He says, you have to make a decision that is reflecting of your whole life. You can't just come in and choose which parts of Jesus you're going to want to be like. You can't just come in here and go, oh, oh, I really like that song and what it says, but I don't like that verse, that verse, oh, that verse, not good. I don't like that verse at all. You take it all. You decide to become like Jesus. You decide not to obey my teachings, not your campus pastor's teachings. You decide to obey the teachings of Jesus wholeheartedly, all in. Thanks be to God. And when we do this, friends, you can know what's in your past and still live with peace in your present. When you, when, when you know that God is moving you, you know that God is changing you and developing you, um, it gives you hope for the future. And there's a great theological truth that God begins a work in you, but you have, to, you have to trust him. You have to move toward him. You can't just say, okay, God, thanks a lot. That was a nice experience at church last week. Woo, I like that Christmas Eve thing. That was nice. And I'll see you next year. You have to wholeheartedly decide to move forward. And that's a great theological truth. Now, I want to get around a couple of practical applications of this. And I was thinking about how do we do this? How do we travel forward? And, and I just came up with some thoughts that I think are big. I just think they're, they're big for me. And, and I think they might be big for you. And, and I just want to give them to you very, very quickly. Um, and here's the first one. It's the first step. If you want to travel forward, if you want to obey the teachings of Christ wholeheartedly, here's the first one. You need to define who you want to become. Did you hear me? You need to define 
who you want to become. You need to think about the man or the woman that you want to become. You need to think about the person that you want to become. You need to go, here's where I am now, but here's who I, I want to be. You, you need to become clear on, on your morals. You need to become clear on your values. You need to become clear on what you believe and who you're going to believe. You need to become clear on where you're going and who are you following in life because you're following somebody or something. And you need to become clear about that. I think one of the reasons most of us feel guilt or shame or condemnation for actions done somewhere in the past is because they aren't quite in line with who we are now, right? So the reason you feel guilty about something yesterday or the day before or back there somewhere is because you know that's not who you want to be. Come on, you hear me? And so you must get a clear picture of who you want to be and begin to move in that direction to become that in 2019. You got to go like all in in 2019. It's got to be a wholehearted kind of conviction that you're going to run after Christ wholeheartedly. If you want to move forward, you got to decide that is who you want to become. You got to picture this in your mind. Look at this. Paul apparently struggled with the same battle. It's the same battle that you and I struggle with. That there are days we're like, I am all in. Like we get done with church here sometimes and we're like, woo, that was so good. It was like he was preaching just to me. You ever feel that way? Man, I feel that way when Kevin preached a couple weeks ago. I'm like, man, dude. Right? You feel like it's for you and you feel like you're going to go out there and change the world. But there's a battle that happens as soon as you walk out the door and it's a fight that's in your soul as soon as you walk out the door. And you got to decide who's going to win that fight. You got to decide what kind of fight it's going to be. And how serious you're going to be in this battle. And so here's Paul. He's in the middle of this battle. Uh, Paul knew that he wasn't the old Paul, but he also knew that he wasn't where he wanted to be. You hear this? Paul knew that he wasn't the old Paul, but he also knew that he wasn't who he wanted to be. And so this is what he writes to this little church uh, stationed in the city of Philippi. And there's all these Christians there now. And they're coming out of this Roman culture. It's all the way around them. And they're like, wow, wow, wow. We're not like that we used to be, but we're not who we really want to be yet. There's this gap between the two. And so Paul addresses this. Look at this, what he says. He says, brothers and sisters, pause, pause, pause. That's us. That's us. That's you and me. He says, brothers and sisters, people of earth, listen, listen. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. In other words, I'm not who I was, but I'm not quite where I want to be. I'm not quite there. I haven't quite grabbed it all yet. I'm not quite arrived yet. Anybody feel that way? You're like, doggone it, two steps forward, one step back. Anybody or is it just me? Man, it's all the time. It's all the time. And Paul says, this is me. Two steps forward, one step back. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul realized that the past is the past, but Paul realized he wasn't who he was anymore. But Paul also realized that he had a responsibility in this, that he had to strain toward it. He had to work toward it. He had to be purposeful in his heart to wholeheartedly obey the t- teachings of Jesus. Come on. You hear me? It wasn't going to be easy. You don't wake up every day and go, oh, I feel like such an angel today. What? If that's, if that's you, man, you're, you're lucky. Most of us aren't like that. But it is a decision. 
It is a straining. And, and what did Paul do? He says, see, the, the prize has to be different in your life. Because when we were back here screwing things up with all of these regrets, we had a different prize. And I don't know what your prize was, but it wasn't Jesus. But Paul says the reason we can move forward is because our prize has shifted. Now the prize is God. Now the prize is Jesus. Now the prize is eternal life. Now the prize is this place called heaven. Now the prize is peace with God. Now the prize is purity with God. Now the prize is righteousness with God. Now the prize is different now. And the prize is bigger. And the prize is better. And the prize is eternal. And the other things that I used to look at as the prize, they're moving and they're shifting. I get it today and I'm happy today, but tomorrow I'm not happy. Come on. But he says the prize is what locks me on. It's the prize that keeps me going. It's the prize that moves me forward. Friends, I think the first thing, if you're going to move forward, travel forward, you've got to define who you want to become. And then you need to start living in that direction. And here's the second thing. Here's the second thing you may want to do if you want to travel forward is create a redo for what you can't undo. What you talking about, Pastor Jay? Listen, create a redo for what you cannot undo. There, there's things in my past and things in your past that you just can't change. But you will get a second chance at it. You'll get another round at it because listen, what goes around comes around. It always does right? You, you, you may have screwed some things up, but you'll have another chance to screw some things up. So you need to figure out now that you're going to redo it different. The next time it comes around that you're not going to behave like you did when you were 20. You're not going to behave like you did when you were 25. You're going to live different in the future. You need to decide now to create a redo list because you're not going to go back. Like, for example, for example some of you are uh, divorced and uh, you've gotten to this point of maturity in your life where you look back and go, you know what, if I'm honest, um, there are some things I really regret. It wasn't just her. <laughs> it wasn't just him. I was part of that too. And there's some things I wish I could have done different. And if I could go back, I would do them different. But let me tell you something. You'll get a redo. There'll be a new relationship eventually. There'll be somebody else that'll come around eventually. And maybe this time, you'll put God first. Maybe this time you'll do it the way God wants you to do it. Maybe this time you won't sleep around before marriage. Maybe, maybe this time you won't move in together and play marriage before you're actually married. That you'll decide to honor God in your covenant relationship. You'll decide to actually put him first in your life. And it will be different. You'll have a chance to remake the same mistakes or to make them different this time. My hope is and my prayer is that you'll make them different this time. Maybe money, right? Like so many people live completely stressed out about money and you can't go back and fix what you did back there with your money, but you will have new money and you'll have new decisions to make with your money, right? And maybe this time, maybe this time God will be first and God will be most in your decision-making process. Maybe you'll learn to put him first with your money and give to him first with your money. And maybe you'll learn to say no to some things that you readily said yes to in the past that actually ended up causing you to be more and more in debt, which caused you to be more and more stressed out in life because you could not say no. But maybe you'll learn to say no. For example, maybe, maybe you'll learn to say no to that $5 a day, $150 a month 
$1,500 a year cup of coffee from Starbucks. Pastor Jay, why do you talk about things like that? Well, maybe you can't afford that. And you're going to do it different in the future. And you're going to say, I got better use of my money. God's going to be first. And God's going to be most. And it's going to be different. Listen, in your relation in your relational world, uh, you can't go back and fix the argument you had with your brother or your sister or your coworker or your daughter-in-law or your stepson or whoever it is, but you will have another chance to have another argument. But maybe you will redo it different next time. Maybe this time you'll go into it with a little bit more peace, a little bit more gentleness, a little bit more patience and grace. Maybe you'll go into it just a little bit more care and reflection of who Christ is in your life, you'll put that into that relationship that next time around. So you will have a chance to redo. You won't have a chance to undo, but you will have a chance to redo. Anybody hear me on this? You know what I'm talking about? And so I think the first thing is that you gotta get around this idea of who you wanna become. The second is to create this idea of a redo because you can't undo. But here's the third one. Here's the third one. This is so important. This is big. Is that you need to start you need to start this plan in the next five to 10 years. I don't know if you notice, but you get old quick. Come on. I don't know if you notice, but time gets away very, very quick. And we always, we're good at going, I'm gonna fix this. I'm gonna get on this right now. I'm gonna get on this. And two years go by. Every time you have that same stupid argument, that same stupid fight, that same whatever, the same bad eating, the same lack of exercise, the same stupid spending habits, oh, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to fix this. Three years later, you're going, I'm going to fix this. Five years later, you're going, I'm going to fix this. How about you start today? How about you start today? Like now. Like now. Now, you can't become who you want to become necessarily tonight or to today, but you can take a step in that direction today. You, you can start to align your, your living, listen to me, your living with your current morals, your current values, and your current beliefs. Come on. You, you can start to move in that direction. Can you not? Anybody? You can, you can put your life uh, into, into alignment with what, what you think you, God wants for you today and tomorrow and the next day. You don't have to keep living back there. Now, we are, we're good at saying, I'm going to start the diet on... Monday. I'm going to start to diet on Monday. Or I'm going to start saving on Friday. But we never get there, do we? You need to start your decision making today. Don't wait. Don't wait. The things that are broken are just going to get worse. The things that are hurting you are just going to get worse today. So as a church, I'm so excited about this. If Metro is your home, I need you to dial in at both of our campuses. Dial in right now because this is so big. And even if you are a guest and you're just checking this out and you're not sure if like we're weird or not, but you kind of like us, but you're not really sure, right? I get it. I get it. But if this is, listen, if you care about moving forward, I'm going to make a huge challenge. We're going to do something we haven't done in a while around here, a long while. Uh, coming into 2019, we are going to do something as a church together. One body, one group, one people, one church. We are going to start to lay a foundation in our life to build a life on. We're going to start a Bible reading plan together. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. 
We are going to, if you want to commit to this, we're going to train ourselves to think about the things of God. We're going to purposely hold each other accountable to move forward to read just one chapter a day out of the Bible through the New Testament. And I'm going to have Pastor Kevin tell us about it. Hey Metro, Pastor Kevin here. Listen, I am so excited to get behind this campaign of reading the Bible together. It's something that we have never done before, but we think, you know, if we want to grow as a church and grow personally, we need to, to read the Bible and why not do it together? And so what we are going to do in the new year, we are going to read one chapter of the New Testament every single day, but you won't be on your own. We are going to do this together. And here is how we are going to accomplish this. So you just open your app store, uh, whether you have an iPhone or Android, and you just type in version. If you don't have it already, this is the best Bible app out there. And I already have it downloaded, uh, so I can just open it. But otherwise, you would just download it. So simple. You would sign in, and you would land on your homepage. And then down on the bottom, you'll see it says search, because we have a specific plan we are going to go through together. And that plan is called Foundations. I have already typed it in, so right there it is. You just type in Foundations, and it is specifically called Foundations New Testament. So once you click on the Foundations New Testament plan, you will see a green button that says Start Plan. So once you hit Start, it'll say, how do you want to read this plan? By myself? Absolutely not! With friends! That's who I want to read this with because we are going to do this together and you can see your other friends within the app and you can see them reading, you can see them growing with God, you can see them highlighting different things. It is just so cool. And so you pick your start date and of course we are starting January 1st and, and, and this is just one chapter every day and it is 260 days. This takes us into September of 2019 with just one chapter a day. How cool is that? How easy is that? Because Metro, we believe in growing with God and you can't grow with God if your Bible is closed. You can't hear from God if your Bible is closed. And so we wanna get in the word together. We wanna do this together because we believe we are better together. And so if you want 2019 to be different than 2018, you gotta change it up. You gotta do something different. So why not jump in and, and, and be all in on this new campaign to read the Bible, to read the New Testament together. Let's do this, Metro. Woo! Come on, you ready for this? Uh, this is gonna be big. And, and you know, we're not starting today, we're deciding today. We're deciding today, and here's what my challenge is for you, that before you even hit those doors, that you decide you are in for this little challenge, that you're gonna move forward in your life. And here's the thing, once you leave these doors, if you decide, yep, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, uh, we have these little wristbands at the door. They're black, so they go with all of your outfits, all of them, and they're free, and they're only to be taken if you say, I am in, I am going to do this. I'm going to take a step and we're going to help each other. Uh, we're going to have various staff members and myself. We're going to put little things online uh, regularly, not every day, but regularly talking about today's chapter and what we're learning today. And you'll be plugging in on that. We'll be plugging in on that. It's going to be sweet. And of course, this app is so sophisticated that I can see what you're reading and you can see what I'm reading, which you're going to help me accountable for this. Okay. Are we good? Are we good? Is this going to help us move forward? Is this going to help us move forward?